Welcome back to another week of Last Ones at the Bar. We're back to talk about a very busy weekend in the sport of boxing. We had three major fight cards. You had the Golovkin versus Murata, Lubin Fandora, Garcia to go. Fight cards to discuss and break down. My name is Will Henry, and I'm accompanied by Daniel Lee and Lavelle Jackson. What's been good the past few weeks, fellas? Uh, not much. Uh, just enjoying uh, the little bit of warm rat weather that's been coming on uh, and, and not enjoying the allergies that's bringing. But other than that, everything is everything. I've been good, man. Just been busy. Been locked in, though. You know what I mean? Um, I think I told you all about the the aura ring I got that tracks your sleep and all that stuff. So I've been working on that thing. And uh, I got to my, my goal weight, too. So. I'm, I'm fighting that cruiserweight now. I moved down to cruiser. I no longer, well, when I say fight, I mean I hit pads at cruiserweight. You know what I mean? So I I, I got on that 200-pound mark for the first time in a minute. So I'm feeling good. Yeah, it's always a good thing, man. You know, you feel real good when you, you know, meet your goals, you know, health-wise and, you know, career-wise and, you know, even family-wise, you know. So that's a good thing. Shout out to you for that. Man, it's been a lot going on since the last time we uh, – chopped it up you know first and foremost I want to say RIP to the young fella Dwayne Haskins man it had to be a tough way to go out um yesterday by getting hit was it a dump truck they said um, yeah it was a it was a dump truck yeah any more details come out about that because that was kind of uh I only got hers out jogging uh and that's when he was hit I didn't hear any uh, other details okay yeah, rest in peace today, young man. Man, it, like I said, it's been a lot going on. We had the Will Smith, we had the Chris Rock situation. You guys had any thoughts on that? I'm thought it out, y'all. Y'all got it if y'all want. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, I understand, but at the same time, it go wrong. And then, you know, uh, what I'm shocked by is that Jada's comments before and after is kind of after she's basically <laughs> saying that. I don't need, you know, no one to defend myself, you know, I can, I can defend me, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, that, <laughs> so I think it was interesting. Yeah, that's a whole, like, we'll, we will be talking all day about that because just even the dynamics of their relationship is just so, like, weird, you know what I mean? Right. But, um, yeah, I, I don't really have too many thoughts on that. I thought that Chris Rock, you know, he has to be the most professional guy in the world to be able to still, you know, get through the things that he wanted to say, you know, and then also mention what was going on in the moment. But, you know, a lot of people would have reacted or most other people would have reacted in a different way. So, you know, shout out to him. Unfortunate situation um, that took place there at the Oscars. But now, nah, man, let's go ahead and, and talk about what it is we came here to do. And let's discuss this weekend's events um, that took place. One of the, the busiest weekends in a while, you know. So let's go ahead and start off with the fight out there in Japan between Gennady Golovkin. He was taking on um, a belt holder and Ryota Murata. Vale, you took a look at that fight early on Saturday. And, and what did you think about Triple G? Yeah, I checked this fight out. Now, uh, Golovkin, you know, um, this fight was for the WBA and IBF uh, uh, championship. And Golovkin, this is one of the fights, this is the fight he has to win in order to get uh, another shot at uh, Canelo Alvarez, which is tentatively scheduled for some time in September. 
I assume Mexican Independence Day. Um, so this fight um, is very action packed. It was, it was a good fight. Uh, it wasn't as one size I, I thought it was going to be. I thought Golovkin would have would have would have did more. Um, and looking at this fight, I think you know it took him time. You could tell the ring rust was there. You know, um, it, it took him a good five rounds to really warm up and. Ryota Murata was pretty much banging with him, you know. Um, but one of the things I did see in the Golovkin that I did, they did do, uh, did like, is that his IQ was there. You can tell, even though physically he wasn't, you know, you can tell he's not exactly the same and he had some ring rust. You can tell he's still there kind of thinking, even though he was physically sloppy. Uh, his jab was, was uh, kind of on point, you know. Uh, he started out, uh, jabbing out the gate um, and, and as soon as he warmed up that jab got sharper and sharper and was once it started snapping Murata's uh, head back uh, I knew it was only a matter of time uh, before this for you know something was going to happen in this fight um, and and he really did physically labor to to win this fight I mean you saw normally he's, he seems comfortable when he's fighting at a pace like this and even though he willed himself he can he's able to will himself to these types of wins uh, beforehand, he 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 didn't seem like it was it was laboring, and that laboring really didn't seem to start until uh, the second Canelo Alvarez fight, uh, the second half of that fight, where he was able to his uh, will his way pretty much back into the fight, um, and he didn't do a lot of body punching, which I want to see a, a, a lot more body punching, you know, because um, that's what he used to do. That's really the triple G of O is throwing a lot of body shots and, and working the body and working the head. But, you know, Murata was game. You know, he was in this fight, especially the first half, and banging. You could tell that these shots were taking effect on uh, Golovkin. And, you know, Golovkin is Golovkin. He has a strong chin. You know, he doesn't seem to get two-phased by punches, even when he's like, you know, he get popped and his head goes back. But um, but I think the tie really turned, I think it was around sixth round, once Golovkin threw that right hand and uh, right – Murata's uh, mouthpiece came flying out. Uh, it seemed like that that punch right there kind of started where Golovkin just, I don't know if he smelled blood, but he just started to take over more and more. And ninth round, I think early in the ninth round, he hit Murata with a right hand, which you saw Murata kind of wince and like, oh, you know, he was kind of hurt. And because uh, Golovkin can only fight in spurts at this point, uh, he was almost like uh, at the stage that Manny Pacquiao was, um, a couple years ago where he could still get it done, but he, he, he has to take those breaks. So even after he took, he had Murata hurt, he really didn't uh, capitalize on it until the end of the round. And after uh, Murata pretty much punched himself out and Golovkin caught Murata with a right hand, and Murata took that, uh, he went down in this corner through in the towel. Now Golovkin, he improves to, 42 one and one with uh, 37 knockouts and Murata drops to uh, 16 and three with 13 knockouts. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure Murata will have to, uh, you know, re rebuild his status back up, but he's in a weight class where I think he, he may be all right. He'll still be able to get fights because I think 160 is not really uh, as deep as, as uh, let's say 154 with the same type of names. Um, and of course, uh, Golovkin next up for him is uh, he's, he's probably trying to get that fight with uh, Canelo, which will be in September. 
Um, based off of what I've seen tonight, uh, I don't know. I, I previously said that this it would be a close fight and, you know, Canelo would win a close fight where Golovkin is still in it. But uh, I think those first five rounds I saw, uh, uh, if he fights those same five rounds against Canelo, I could see Canelo stopping him. Um, but if he fights more so like what we've seen from round five on, I think he has a chance to stay in the fight, but he probably won't win it, but at least have a chance to, to keep it close. Um, but you, yeah, he, he lost a lot. You could tell that he's not, you know, 40 years old, you know, and, you know, as, as someone who's around that age, I, I can, you know, I can understand, you know, it's, it's you want to do things, but your body's not the same. Um, but it was good win by, by triple G. He, he was able to, you know, stop Murata. Uh, I'm not sure if he's Murata's ever been stopped before. I don't believe he has, he just has losses, but it was, it was a, a impressive stoppage if anything else yep triple g showed a lot of heart in a, in a fight um the only thing that i'll add i want to talk about what went down um because you you broke it down um excellent you know and so what i will say is this is that triple g uh he landed probably about like once it was all said and done he landed about or he landed over 100 punches more than Murata. And his uh, percentage was, he was much more accurate, 41% to 24% um, accuracy rate. And um, just as far as power punches, he was more accurate um, at a 47% clip. And Murata was at a 34% clip. And, but actually, Murata threw more power punches. Triple G just threw more jabs. And Golovkin, although Murata threw more power shots, Triple G landed about 30 more uh, punches than Murata. Now, some of the things that I see as far as the takeaways from this fight, um, as you mentioned, like the biggest thing that happened, I thought that um, Murata, like early in the fight, he was piecing Triple G up. Like that was the most I've seen somebody actually have um, success, you know, on a consistent basis for you know, a, a length of time, like I say, rounds two through five, it just seemed like Murata, he, he couldn't miss. And then as you stated, Triple G turned a tie with that, that right hand and knocked Murata's mouthpiece out. And then after that, it was just pretty much all Triple G, although Murata had his moments. Now, as far as what I saw, um, I think that as, as far as takeaways is concerned, um, Triple G, he, he did look rusty. And then he also looked, older, you know, throughout the fight, even when he was having success. And the biggest thing that I was seeing, and this could be just the conditioning of being off for quite some time, could be the age, it could be a combination of both, but hopefully for him, that it was just a situation where he was coming back after a long layoff, because if he has those lulls where he was throwing some of his power shots, but he had to take a deep breath in between. And that right there, you're not going to be able to do that against Canelo, you know, and then but he's still offensively talented, um, very talented offensively. You know, some of those shots that he's hitting Murata with, very accurate, precise. You know, he throws this wicked kind of chopping like left and right hand that a lot of other fighters don't really necessarily throw. If you get hit by it, it's going to shake you. Um, so he still can do that. And what I liked about him most, mostly in this fight that I hadn't seen from him was his ability to weather the storm 
because like I said, that first two through five um, rounds, he was he was definitely getting pieced up. Now, Murata heard him a couple of times, too. Like He heard him not only to the body, but he heard him to the head. Triple G's biggest weakness that I saw outside of the fatigue situation is his inability to fight backwards. Like it was just for both guys, like whoever was going backwards, really, they were going to be the ones that wasn't going to be successful. They were going to be the ones getting pieced up. And then once they ended up taking a the lead, then they were really um, had, they really had a lot more success. Um, like I said, that just was the whole fight. Um, so moving forward, I don't think at this stage, he's 40, I don't think he's going to get better at going, being able to fight backwards, but he's definitely, you definitely don't want to be going backwards. And I mentioned this, I did a video on this yesterday because I got a little bit fed up with some of the Triple G lovers. Um, so I, I was compelled to put out a video about the fight, not only that, but to address some of the lovers of Triple G. Um, but he's, he's, he's vulnerable, man, like to the body, like the body shots, the fact that he's getting a little bit more fatigue, he can't fight backwards. I just think that Canelo is just gonna, it's gonna be an execution. I think that it's gonna be something like rounds, after round five, I, I give Triple G that much respect, but I just think he's gonna get pummeled by um, Canelo. And I think that they're gonna end up stopping the fight because he's tough enough where I don't think he's gonna get KO. But I can see it because he, he's getting hit way too flush by somebody who doesn't have the offensive arsenal as a Canelo. And I don't think he hits Canelo. So for him taking him taking those punches against that guy, and I think he'll be better next time because of the fact that he'll he won't have such a lengthy layoff. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think that it's gonna end well for Triple G as far as the fight is concerned. Now, financially, it's gonna do something for him. Um, in that regard. But all in all, the last thing I'm gonna say in conclusion is I have a lot of respect for Triple G going through the storm that he went through and coming out on top and still fighting through. And, you know, being able to be um, successful under those circumstances. Because again, I had never seen that from him before. Um, not like that, you know, so shout out to him for that. And I think, I hopefully I'm kind of wrong you know, as far as what I anticipate is going to happen between him and Canelo, because really, truly, deep down, I do like Triple G. I just don't like all of the hoopla and all of that type of stuff that they, you know, push on them. You know, if you just allow people to watch him and and um, really just take in some of the great skills that he has, then I think you will have a lot more people who will be supporting Triple G. But all in all, man, you know, solid victory, you know, after a long layoff. And, um, you know, good luck against Camilo. You know, the only surprising thing about his performance was the slow start after the layoff wasn't a surprise, but it did surprise me to see him get kind of like walked down and bullied during that time. Like those first round rounds, that, that really did surprise me. But overall, he still showed to be who he is once he got going. Um, you know, once he sees blood, he's gonna he's a terminator, you know, and he and that's kind of what he did. The only thing, and I guess like I never been hit by flushed by triple G, so you know it's easier said than done, but 
when he really started to wear down on Murata, the only thing I didn't like for Murata is I would have liked to see a differentiation in the guard that he held up. Like, Triple G wasn't throwing a lot of body shots, so it didn't make sense to have your hands low. And he had his hands high, but that was leaving him – they were in front of his face, and that was – Triple G was just – hooking right around that that high guard so i would have liked to see him put some earmuffs on and and you know move a little bit get out the way of those but again that that's a tall ass from anybody that's been hit by triple g for you know seven eight rounds at that point but um i will give him credit too in addition to what you guys said about standing his ground and like kind of weathering that storm i felt like his movement was a little bit better in this fight than i had seen from him before but, you know, the problem is if he were going to stay at 160 and fight someone like a Mungia or somebody like that, it'd be one thing. But the problem is he's he's fighting Canelo next, assuming Canelo gets the job done. And the reality of it is, you know, up to this point, Canelo and as of 20. 18 Canelo was able to withstand Triple G's power at that time and so Triple G's not going to stop him and no way boxing lets Triple G get a decision and so from where I sit the fight is already settled it's just a matter of how it's going to go down and Canelo has gotten better since that last fight and Triple G is kind of he gotten older and that's just kind of what it is and so if he weren't getting that payday, I would honestly just say, like, look, man, there's nothing else for you to do. But I could see a mid-round stoppage in that fight. I think Canelo's going to do the same thing he does when he just kind of gets going slowly and then gradually unleashes more of his arsenal. And Triple G's already pr- proven to be susceptible to the body. And so that's exactly what Canelo's going to do. I think he's going to be – he's either going to get get put down by a body shot or the ref is going to stop it. One of those two. But that's all I got. You guys got anything else? No, I don't. But I do want to start a segment this week that we haven't done before. It's called Five Shots. And so what I'm going to do, or what we're going to do with this uh, particular segment is that we're out at each fellow uh, five questions. So you either have a yes or a no or it's either one or the other, you know, no need for an explanation. But if you do decide to go ahead and attempt to say both, then on your scorecard that we have of our tally that we're keeping for the fights that we're predicting, if you say both, then we're going to deduct one point from your tally. So in this week, since we're talking about old Triple G, I got five questions for you fellas regarding the one that is known as the Triple G-ster. So first question here is better. Who was the better fighter in their prime, at their peak? Gennady Golovkin or Lomachenko? <laughs> it's, it's funny you, you mentioned these two guys in particular. Um, I'm going to go Loma. First, first gut, I'm going to go Loma. Mr. Lomachenko. Lomachenko. Okay. Question two. Was Gennady Golovkin top 25 in the past 25 years? I see what's happening here. Um, <laughs> I, I said maybe. I had to think about it, but I mean, it's possible. 
Sound like a, a double answer to me, sir. Answer is yes or no. It's possible, yeah. So that's a yes. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna say no. But tell tell in like number 25, maybe. <laughs> you said maybe, okay. Now because I, I haven't ranked them. I mean, if I if I ranked it out, it is a good chance he could not be on there too. So I mean question is yes or no, sir. Okay, I, I'll say no. Question number three. Was Gennady Golovkin allowing his opponents, such as Willie the Worm Monroe, to intentionally hit him in his past fights? I think there was some of that. I think that what people like Monroe, he that's when he was on that that big drama show. And if he would have just walked through those and not and got him out of there, there's no drama. And so I think that that yeah, he, you know, he didn't respect his power and was like, yeah, I'll take about 10 of them to give out, you know, two or three. I I, I could see it. So yes. Yep. Okay. I'll say I'll say yes, because when he fought someone who's more offensively talented as like, let's say uh, Canelo, he wasn't just letting Canelo hit him. <laughs> I'll say yes. Okay. Question number four. Did Gennady Golovka avoid fighters such as Andrade and Charles? Because I'm being put on the spot, the, the real answer is, I don't know the context, all the context behind him not fighting those guys. I will say that as a fighter i could understand him not wanting with the whole andre ward thing i could understand him not wanting to move up when he's doing what he's doing at 160 but in terms of like all the fighters at middleweight i'm gonna say no without knowing context wait wait who's who's those fighters again will demetrius bubu andre and jamal hitman trouble i'll say with andre i'll say no because I mean, Andrade still hasn't had a, a victory that's like really puts him over anywhere yet, you know? Uh, and even at 154, I mean, I remember that argument going around that uh, Canelo was ducking uh, too because, of course, Canelo went to 160 and went back to 154 and all that. I remember that talk too, but even then, Andrade still hadn't had a, a significant victory over anyone that's like, I see the talent in Andrade, but his levels to it. And really, we, we start saying, you know, Andrade and, and Charlo ducking, ducking oh, well, if, if you're saying that Triple G duck Andrade or, or Charlo, really Charlo and Andrade duck each other and they should have been fought each other. That's my answer. So is that a yes or no, sir? That's a no. Triple G did not duck Andrade or Charlo. I have a follow-up question for you, sir. So, Demetrius Andrade, he did not fight. He didn't have any notable victories in order to secure a victory with Mr. Gennady Golovkin. My follow-up question is, what signature victory did Arata have? What signature victory did Sheremeta have? What signature victory did Darian Chico have? What um, signature victory did Steve Rose have? Von Smyter Rosen. Um, the list goes on, sir. Well, I mean, if if we when you are someone of that stature, you can choose who you fight if you're a Triple G or if you're a Canelo. Like if you're Canelo, Benavidez can say who did Plant beat, you know, that I didn't beat, you know what I'm saying? So it it's it's gonna go on and on, you know what I'm saying? I mean, at, at some point, 
when fighters say this person's ducking me, hey, why don't you? That fighter is not the only fighter out there. There's many other fighters around in your weight class. You know what I'm saying? So that's my answer. I got you. I got you, Phil. I just, I wouldn't, the, the key for me personally, I wouldn't put Gennady Golovkin in the same caliber with Canelo because Canelo is a star who's sold pay-per-views. Um, Golovkin pay-per-views deal in 50000 But I digress. Last question here. Is Gennady Golovkin a boxing match? Yes or no? Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, he's going, I'll say this. He's he's a yeah he's a legend. He's gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer. As soon as he get on that ballot, he's going in. I'd like to thank you, fellas, for participating in our first uh, five shots activity. We'll do more of these. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> awesome job, fellas. All right, so let's go ahead and get back off into our uh, recaps. Uh, what are we on now? We on Lubin Fedora. Gotcha. You could just. I was going to kick that off to you anyway. So, what were your thoughts on it? Oh, in this fight, man, I thought that this might have been the best fight that I saw um, the other day or on Saturday night. Um, I was pleasant. Well, not pleasantly surprised. I kind of figured that this was going to be a barn burner. You know, you had Lubin who had issues. I think like it's questions about his chin after the Charlo victory, um, after Charlo defeated him. And, you know, he's been looking a little rocky ever, ever since then. Every time I see him fight, although he's been winning, he's been like on a six, seven fight win streak he still would get hit with something and just didn't respond well to some of those punches that he was getting clipped with. And it didn't seem like he was getting hit with anything major. So that's the reason why going into this fight, I was leaning towards Fundora. Um, and, and that's the reason why I picked Fundora to win this fight. So now this, the towering Inferno, you know, after this barn burner yesterday, he moves to 19 and 0 with 13 KOs and Lubin, he failed to 24 2 with, uh, 17 KOs. Now, as the fight, you know, was about to start, you know, they was coming into the ring, you know, Fandora, he looked very, very relaxed. You know, he looked very confident. He was smiling. Didn't look like he had a care in the world. And then I was looking at Lubin. Look, Lubin looked a little bit more concerned. So I didn't know whether, how to, you know, was that going to play a factor in the fight? You know, was 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 uh, Fandora a little too overconfident? Because he just looked way like, past this fight. <laughs> I'm, I'm already getting ready to face uh, Castaño or um, Charlo, you know, after they fight. So, you know, I, I noticed that. But what even had me more concerned, because I didn't know Kevin Cunningham was Lubin's trainer. And Kevin Cunningham, to me, is a good trainer to motivate fighters. You know what I mean? Like, he's really good at that. Now, I thought that what Lubin needed to beat Fandora, I didn't think that Cunningham would be able to teach him what was necessary in order to pull it off. I tell you what, though, what he was telling Lubin in the corner was the right thing, but Lubin wouldn't do it. He was being stubborn. He kept doing the same thing over and over. And I'm going to get to that in a second. So that's what surprised me. Did Was he teaching him that prior to them getting in the ring? Or was this something that he was telling them as the fight was playing out? Because like I said, he was telling them, like, you need to move side to side you know, as opposed to moving back like Lubin was doing. Now, as the fight started, you know, um, I thought the first round was even, and that was the only round that I saw Fandora. He was boxing a little bit, and Lubin was pressuring. And so the second round rose around, um, and then Fandora clipped Lubin. I, I want to say it was like an uppercut. You know, he tapped him on that chin, and then Lubin went down. I was under the impression that the fight might be over pretty soon after that. But Lubin just kept 
doing the wrong thing where he was coming in and he was just so susceptible to the uppercut. Like, and then where he was fighting at, that's right where Fandora wants you. Anytime that they were in mid range, Lubin was having success. Or even if you even out a little bit further, because that's just not where Fandora, as tall as he is and as rangy as he is, he likes to get you on the inside and throw those shots where he's getting all of that leverage that he possibly can get. Uh, with the shots that he's throwing and landing. And after a while, you keep getting hit by that guy, it's going to take his toll on you. And that's what was happening th throughout the fight. I thought by the time they made it to like the sixth round, Lubin was like almost out of there. But it looked like to me in the seventh round where he had a last gasp, like I'm not going to you know, go out you know, without going out on my shield. And so he just conjured up all of the energy that he had and he clipped um, Fondora with something. I can't remember what it was, but he dropped him. But Fandora did a good job of spitting out his mouthpiece, you know, to buy him some more time. And then the referee was fumbling around and stuff like that. So he gave him a little additional time that Fandora used in the bell ring. I think by that time, um, Lubin had gave all he had left. Now, I do want to say this, man. I commend Lubin so much. You know, I, I don't take shots. I just noticed that he was a little bit more chinny. But he showed so much heart yesterday. And I'm not even going, you know, say anything funny or anything like that because that young man showed so much heart he wasn't they, and i'm glad that they stopped the fight so the fight ended up being stopped i want to say the ninth round um but it was it was good that they did that because the young man was just kept coming kept coming he was not going to take no for an answer and he wasn't going to stop unless the ambulance was just willing him out you know to a hospital or something like that and we don't want that even if they allowed him to fight even longer and he was successful. You didn't want him to have like any type of brain um, issues or swelling of the brain or anything like that. Because that certainly could have happened because he was taking too much punishment. But all in all, man, um, I just didn't think that he fought a smart fight. Because I think Lubin could have defeated Fundor if he would have just moved side to side. Because if he moves like just give him some angles and have Fundora like have to move to get to you as opposed to just being in there throwing those punches he would have had a lot more success and he could have either worn him out or he could have clipped him more bigger shots, but he just didn't take that approach. But again, Cunningham, you know, like I said, going into the fight, I was concerned the fact that was he going to be able to teach Lubin what was necessary in order to be successful, but he certainly was telling him the right thing um, in the corner, but Lubin just wouldn't adjust. So, you know, what does this do? You know, um, so Fandora, he's going to move on to be the number one contender, I want to say, for the WBC. So he's going to be able to get a crack at Charlo or Castaño. Charlo may move up once he becomes the unified champ. But if Castaño is successful, and that, that is going to be an interesting look because he's a short little guy fighting against a, a mammoth giant, you know, in the ring. So just from an optic standpoint, that's going to be a very interesting fight, you know, to see. But all in all, man, I didn't say enough about Fendora. Fendora is, is a tough uh, fella. He's going to be, he's top five, you know, in that division. And I just think it's based on matchups moving forward for him. Him um, and Tony Harrison, that'll be an excellent fight. I think Tony Harrison would be a lot more successful than Lubin if they do end up fighting each other. But I also think that if Tony Harrison doesn't get Fendora out of there, by like the seventh, eighth round, he's going to be in a world of trouble because that young man is, is going to just keep coming, keep coming. And Harrison has a tough time later in fights. 
But in closing, shout out to both guys. Lubin, I commend you. You know, hopefully you'll get your career back on track and listen to your corner, especially when they're telling you the right thing. And then Fedora, you know, good luck to the young man. Yeah, I got concerned for Lubin early on because, like you said, Cunningham was saying all the right things, but Lubin just wasn't applying the adjustment. So I was concerned for two reasons. One, he wasn't able to make those adjustments on his own. And two, even after the coach pointed them out, he wasn't able to make those adjustments. In terms of the fight itself, I had scored at 77-73 Fundora. You could argue 76-74, but I thought that the, the round that Lubin knocked him down, I thought it was a 9-9 round because Fundora, to me, was winning the majority of that round up until he got knocked down. For me, otherwise, it wasn't – it was a good fight to watch, but it wasn't a very hard one to score. Uh, you had a gunfight, and – the majority of the fighting was done on the inside. And so if you were to look at the CompuBox numbers from round to round, Fandora outgunned him every round except the third. And in the third round, both fighters landed 30 punches. And so my eyes, my eyes saw that, but then when I saw the CompuBox after the fact, they confirmed, you know, what I was thinking. Now for Lubin, again, massive respect to him for really going out the way that he did and showing a ton of heart i like him as a fighter this may be who he is we may have i, I wonder if we've seen the best version of him already you know like after the charlo knockout they kind of took their time building him back up to this point and now his journey is at a halt again except for this wasn't against charlo this was an eliminator against fundora which is no slight fundora is like you said world-class top five in the division uh, but maybe this is a ceiling, you know, and there's nothing to be ashamed of, but it is what it is. Um, but I also want to shout out Kevin Cunningham because he's absolutely 100% the type of trainer that you want to have in your corner. You know, he called it exactly how you would want a trainer to call it. You know, he's probably saved Lubin's career by stopping it when he did. Um, on the flip side with Fandora, I was very impressed. He He pretty much... In terms of the fight itself, he did more or less what I thought he was going to do. I was impressed with his sort of wherewithal in that round that he got knocked down. You know, he admitted in the post-fight interview that he consciously took that knee. And for him to have never been knocked down before and to say, I don't want to put myself in a worse position. And then, you know, the thing with the mouthpiece. That was a smart thing for him to do, and he kind of saved himself in that fight by by doing that because he was he was in some some serious danger, and so um, that's something that you can't really teach in in sparring either. You know what I mean? Like that's something you know, having never been knocked down, that's something that you just have to have in you already. And so, you know, um, and he's a very likable guy too. Like after the post fight interview. Um, he was saying all the right things. He just seemed kind of like a a fun-loving fighter who will <laughs> who will bruise you seriously. But I like what I saw from him. I think that there are definitely some intriguing matchups for him, and there are definitely some people in the division that can take advantage of his style. But you know, uh, we'll see what happens based on the winner of the unification, and if out of the mandatories, if he's if he will be the one to get the fight or if it better be vacated or what. But yeah, man, that was a fight of the year candidate right there to me.
Yeah, I agree. Both of you guys made some some excellent points, uh, excellent breakdowns. Uh, I, I thought this was a very, very exciting fight. Uh, even more exciting than I thought it would be. I just thought it would be fan-friendly, but it, it was uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of edge of the seat. It was a lot of emotion because, uh, like I said, uh, Lubin, even if you had him winning, I mean, he, he was taking some punishment. And even when he took some punishment, he would come back and, and he would show so much heart that you're like, it's like you want to stop the fight, but you don't really you, you don't want to do it to, to to slight him. But he was taking too much punishment, even though he was fighting back. He showed a lot of grit and uh, toughness, especially being, uh, taking that knee and getting knocked down, get back up and, and fighting back off the next round as if he wasn't hurt. And that takes some part also, as you said, Danny, you know, he's a very likable guy. Uh, but one of the things I, I, I didn't like about the way Lubin fought was, as you said, Will, I mean, Cunningham was basically telling them what to do. And it was like, and that was basically the game plan I thought he would do going in, a, in this fight, that he would use uh, some of that boxing ability and movement, because we've seen it in, even in his past fights, that he can, you know, he can stick and move, even if he does, you know, get caught in some exchanges. Uh, but this fight, you just seem more content standing right in front of Fedora, and and that, that's definitely the wrong thing. But it, it was very, very emotional fight to see because you know Lubin is a likable guy also, and you don't want to see him get hurt. Uh, and, and that round where, where uh, when he walked back to his corner, it was just he just had one of those looks in his eyes, looked like his you know his nose was broken, uh, or maybe even his jaw. And even though Lubin had has shown a lot of vulnerability. Uh, he also shows a lot of heart because it's not like he just got hit and he just dropped and didn't get up or he was knocked out and then that's it. Or even what happened with the with the Charlo fight. Uh, he was knocked down and he got back up and just start, you know, pushing the fight even, even more. Um, and I thought that was very, very, you know, impressive, you know, especially for a guy that, that people say call Chinny, you know, it seems like he wants to, you know, disprove everyone. But I think some fighters are just, they have too much heart for their own for their own good and their own ability. And I think Lubin is one of those. He's just a pure fighter, you know. And shout out for Fedora, you know, very likable guy. It'll be interesting fights for him going down the line. Uh, I know Tony Harrison mentioned. I think that would be an interesting fight, and I think Harrison uh, will give Fedora, I think, a lot of trouble because because Harrison does have a long jab. I mean, while Fedora has an eighty inch wingspan, he doesn't really use it. Like he could, like he should. He doesn't have the uh, a really, really long jab. And Harrison pretty much uses all of his jab, and his reach is 76 inches, which is pretty long for someone, even at 6'1, who is very, very tall for like middleweight. And plus, Fedora, I don't think, can fight at distance. I don't think it's, it's that he won't, he he don't want to fight at distance. I can. Because one of the things I did notice about Fedora and I thought was interesting is that he had. You know, he came to the ring with, 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 with some glasses on and he left the ring with glasses on. And anyone that wears glasses, I wear, you know, you know, I wear glasses, right? And when I look at my lenses, his lenses is about as thick as mine. And I know that I can't see far without my glasses. So I do think that's it's something, something there, you know, and it's something to exploit. But Fedora is just so good that, you know, if, if you're in that mid-range with him, you're not winning, you know? It's just brutal. So it'll be interesting moving forward for uh, Sebastian Fedora. And, and it'll, be, it'll, very be, it'll be a very interesting fight to see him in there with Castaño, who I think is literally like a foot shorter. So that'll be an interesting fight to see. You guys have any more thoughts? 
Not really, but I, I have a question. Um, do you guys know if Kevin Cunningham has always been his trainer, head trainer, or is that a new wrinkle? I don't think so. I don't remember Kevin Cunningham, Kevin Cunningham being. I don't remember him being in this corner before that, before the uh, the Charlo loss. Okay, okay. But shout out to Cunningham, man. He was telling him all the right things to do. He just, for some reason, Luton was just being stubborn. Yeah, I, you know what. Kevin Cunningham is a trainer that I've seen since his work with uh, Devin Alexander. And at first, I didn't used to like Kevin Cunningham, especially when it went, uh, you know, when they were sitting down talking with uh, Devin, Devin Alexander and Timothy Bradley in that fight. But the more, as more time go on, the more I really, really respect Kevin Cunningham. He tells it how, like it is, you know, he tells the truth. So shout out to Kevin Cunningham. Yeah, here's the thing, and that's the reason what turned me off of Kevin Cunningham because I thought that he was uh, when, when with his work with with uh, Devin Alexander. So I've never seen Devin Alexander make adjustments in the ring. What I used to see was him fighting harder, and that's what was being told, asked of him. You know, come on, man, like you know that sort of thing. So I didn't see any adjustments now. Here's the thing now, um, and I don't, hopefully Kevin Cunningham, like they were working on those things that he was telling Sebastian Fedora to do, because it's one thing to, you know, you were working on this and it's like, come on, man, we was doing this in camp. You should, you know, know better and blah, 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 this and that. Or now that we're in the ring, you telling me what I should do, but we never really worked on it. So that's the one, that's, that's the thing that I'm, um, um, you know, thinking about, you know, was, was that something that they actually were working on or now that they in a fight and they see that that's the strategy that would enable him to be more successful, they trying to tell him now to do it. You know what I mean? But who knows? Hey, Danny, man, I think Fedora's glasses is about as thick as yours, man. <laughs> Throw that out there. Shout out to man. I, I, I'm only picking it up because I like the kid, man. <laughs> Good guy. Yeah, what, what's what's the next one, though, brother? All right, uh, moving right along, we had the, uh, a lightweight return. We had King Ryan Garcia, the the, the one the ladies love, ladies love King Ryan. Uh, he he going, went up against Emmanuel to go uh, last night. Uh, what were your thoughts on that fight, fellas? The King Ryan live up to the expectations of his return. It depends on what he was looking to do. You know what I mean? Like I, I personally stopped scoring it after the seventh round. You know, he had a long layoff. He's been, he's had that, that mental war that he's been in. And so, you know, they, I see why they got him an opponent like, like Tego. You know, they needed somebody who was probably overconfident to the point of delusion, which is what he seemed like. And then also with a chin to test Garcia's hand, you know, he broke his hand in addition to that mental battle and that layoff. So he gets some rounds in. And so, I think that he got what he was looking for as a fighter out of that. I think that, you know, a lot of fans would probably be disappointed because they were expecting a knockout against someone that most people hadn't heard of before this fight. But I wasn't mad at what I saw necessarily, like in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, I think he did what he came to do, essentially. All I'm going to say is, I'm going to stop predicting stoppages when guys are fighting these opponents with them bullet heads, man. It's something about them dudes that got the, the bullet-shaped heads, man. They just not getting stopped like that. You know what I mean? Like him, uh, Esau Cruz, the ones with them, like, them bullet heads, them dudes, they built for it tough. They're not, they not falling. 
yeah, man, it, the fight was what it was. There's not really much to say about it. Yeah, you know, uh, I was impressed that Ryan Garcia, he got in there with the ring, even after a layoff, and he pretty much uh, he consistently did what he had to do. He didn't, I mean, yeah, we could say it's against Emmanuel to go, but a lot of fighters, sometimes fighters would come back from a layoff like that, and they fight fights of that magnitude, and you can tell they're not really up for it. And I think Ryan was still trying to, you know, showcase his skills. And, you know, of course, he had uh, to go hurt, I think, around the first, probably in the first round, first or second round, and didn't really, you know, once to go didn't really get out of there. You know, he didn't get him out of there. Um, to go pretty much went into, uh, you know, I'm just going to skill to pretty much survive. Wow. Um, Garcia just pretty much, you know, used the speed and used his boxing ability to, to pretty much pressure to go because at times he was, he was pretty much pressuring to go and following around the ring. So, and it was interesting to see how Garcia was compared to to go in the ring, you know, and also Garcia looked a lot stronger than to go. So it was a good win for, for Garcia. It wasn't very, very like impressive because he didn't stop him. But like, as you said, you know, some guys are just tough and it's like, you can't hold it against a fighter if they can't stop certain fighters, especially one that hasn't been stopped before. Um, but shout out to, to Ryan Garcia. You know, so, you know, what I saw as far as the fight is concerned, I think that both guys just took the wrong approach, right? But I don't know if Togo is just there, but I think Togo was there for a payday because of the fact that Goosen, um, they chose him because he used to work with Goosen. So Goosen knows the ins and outs about what Togo brought to the table. And I'm sure that he informed Ryan that if you put some pressure on him, then he's not going to stand up to you, you know, and you'll make this an easy night at the office. And Ryan came out the most aggressive that I've ever seen Ryan Garcia come out. But, um, you know, as a, I didn't listen to him after the fight, but I read where uh, something that was saying that he was talking about him having trouble against guys worth cutting off the ring and that he's never fought anybody that he had to cut off the ring. But you would think, that if you're fighting somebody, if, if that was what your coach told you, and I don't know if he did, that you would be prepared for him to do the movement that he was doing or some type of movement. I didn't see that in necessarily to goals previous fights, but somehow, some way, as a professional, you would think that you would be able to cut off the ring better than what Brian was, Brian was doing yesterday. Now, here's the thing. When somebody is coming at you, so when I said that each guy took the wrong approach, in Togo's case, if he was trying to win a fight, what he should have did was he should have stood up to Ryan early because you don't want to do all of that excessive movement. Fighters who even your best boxers, they'll go ahead and stay in, in front of you early just to get some respect because I don't want you coming at me recklessly thinking that you can just, you know, run in here and throw heavy shots and something's not going to come back. And if I do get my respect early, then you're going to be a little bit hesitant on some of the shots that you're going to shoot. He never did that. Each time that Ryan stepped to him, he just ran around and ran. Ryan caught him in the second round, dropped him, and Togo was pretty much off balance. But I was thinking that it was going to be an early night. Just based on Togo's nervous energy, like I said, he just looked like a guy who was just so happy to be there to get my payday and get this money. I'm going to go back to my country. I'm going to be the man. And so, again, that's just what it looked like. Man, I got some stories that I can tell about people who remind me of to go like they sell a good story or you know sell a good um you know thing as far as like what it is that they're supposed to do and then by the time you end up 
getting the service from them that you're supposed to get is total opposite. Then they're looking at you like, well, I didn't know, you know, but you got my money, man. You know what I mean? And that's what the go did yesterday, man. All that running and stuff like that. You ran your mouth before. You told me you're the game boy and all of that. Yeah, you play the game on us. Now, um, where Ryan went wrong is when you have somebody who's excessively moving like that, you're not going to catch him. You know, it's like what, what, uh, what, 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 uh, what's my man from next Friday, uh, day, day. That's what he told baby D you're not going to catch me, baby D you know, and you, what you, you're not going to catch the young or the man running around the ring at all. What you have to do is have him come to you. And so what Ryan could have did was he could have played off a couple of times where he could have appeared like he was hurt or something like that, or that he was having trouble and then had to go come to him and he can land one of those signature love hooks that he has. Cause Ryan has some talent, man. Like he's really talented, but um, I'm concerned for him because if he was that bad as far as cutting off the ring, I'm not sure what, what is Goose and, and they only had one camp together, you know, and maybe some of that lot the fault of Renosa, you know, because he had him for a pretty long period of time, you know, before, but that's it. Like he doesn't have certain, and he's young, so I don't want to put too much on him. He's just really talented, but as far as, like just little tricks of the trade. I don't know. Some of the young guys, man, they just, they concern me with that is that they just rely on that. Cause he has some speed. He has that, that left hook is, is serious, you know, but he needs you to come to him in order to get that full impact that you've seen him have in some of the fights before. But I thought all in all, as far as coming back, getting a win after a year layoff, it was good from that standpoint to get 12 rounds in. Now he just has to get back to the drawing board. Um, and as far as the fight is concerned, I thought the most that I saw him have was actually in that 10th round when he threw a nice combination. He was landing some really good shots on Togo, but Togo got out of there. And then Togo was never really in any trouble and just went into full retreat mode after. Afterwards, I had it like 119, 108. I didn't get to go any rounds um, at all. And Ryan appeared to slow down a little bit after round five. He wasn't nearly as, as aggressive as he was in those first five rounds. But I didn't think he was just dog tired or anything. Like, it wasn't anything for him to be tired about itself, but just trying to chase this dude down. Um, but again, work on some things, Ryan. And um, I think moving forward, I saw, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, the, the, the little guy who was, who was working a fight. Uh, Jojo Diaz, I saw him there. That'll be an interesting fight right there because with those two, if that's what's something that they're going to set up, Jojo technically is better all around, but Jojo is a fighter. And so he's going to be coming at Ryan and he's going to leave himself a little bit more vulnerable or a lot more vulnerable than most of the other guys that Ryan will, will face. And so from that standpoint, that's why I say that that would be a 50-50 fight. Because I think JoJo will, unless he gets clipped, then he's going to be winning. But at the same time, he always is going to be in jeopardy. And JoJo isn't the greatest defensive fighter in the world. And I can see that going either way. But as far as last night, wasn't anything to write home about. I'm glad the kid got a win under his belt after, like I said, a year layoff. But, you know, he just needs to go to the drawing board and, and, and work on you know, some of the things that we didn't see yesterday that you would think that you would see from a prize fighter. All right, so for our last uh, topic that we're going to recap, you had another junior 
middleweight bout that took place on the Sebastian Fundora, Erickson Lubin fight card. And that was my main man, Tony Harrison. He was back into the ring. You know, he had a very interesting press conference um, before the fight. Um, but he was taking on Sergio Garcia. Sergio Garcia was coming off the loss against Sebastian Fedora. What you fellas think about Tony's performance last night? I was, I was very impressed with Tony Harrison's performance. I thought he should have been fighting like that in the, in the fight or in somewhat the Charlo fight, the, the second Charlo fight, because he pretty much stood in the pocket and, you know, and banged with Charlo a little too much, even though uh, had him, he was doing pretty well up to the, the point he was stopped. But uh, Sergio Garcia, of course, he, he has that fight with Fedora that was very, very close where um, some people thought that that exposed a chink in uh, uh, Fedora's armor. Uh, but Harrison, he came into this fight. Um, basically, I, I saw about five different ways to jab in this fight. I mean, you could basically watch this fight and, and say, this is, this is how I do this jab, this is how I do that jab. Tony Harrison just basically uses, you know, his 76-inch uh, wingspan, uses reach, uh, was touching uh, Garcia up with, with, you know, moving around. He was kind of doing sort of what, what I wanted to see uh, Erickson Lubin do. Uh, to an extent, I mean, not, not to the extent that Tony Harrison was doing it, but Harrison was using a lot of movement. Um, Garcia was just, you know, throwing a lot of punches, but, you know, he was missing a lot, but he was a lot. And, and Harrison is, I don't think he gets a lot of credit for being the counterpuncher that he was, he is. Uh, he was catching Garcia, you know, right, between you know, right between in those exchanges and catching him with, you know, the more eye-opening shots and, and catching him with more accurate shots. Um, I thought that I gave Garcia maybe the second round and possibly the, the last round. But other than that, it was all Tony Harrison. Uh, it was it was very, very impressive uh, victory. You know, uh, he showed a very, very sharp dad, sharp jab. Um, for a boxy fan, I mean, it wasn't as, as for, the, for the fan that wanted, you know, the excitement that we saw in the other fights, it probably didn't bring that type of excitement. But as a boxy fan, I thought it was very, very exciting to see, you know, all these different, you know, moves and, and Harrison pulling out tricks out of his bag that he can use um, in fights going forward. And, and, and moving forward, depending on how the, the, the Castaño-Charlo uh, fight um, goes, I mean, it's, it's Tony Harris could be seeing future fights with uh, Fedora. Erickson Lubin, I think Lubin should – my opinion is Lewis should take maybe a year off and rest from that, that type of fight. But uh, I always thought Harrison and Lubin, they probably should have been fighting yesterday. And, and, and also Harrison against uh, J-Rock. I think that would be an interesting fight too. It, it's all these fights of all these fighters that's on a similar level that haven't been made, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, Harrison showed it, gave a good account of himself. And it was a, it was a good performance and shout out to, you know, Harrison repping the Pistons in Detroit, you know, saying, you know, just repping my hometown, made me proud yesterday. Yeah, it was cool, man. I think that uh, Harrison, he did a good job. I thought first two rounds, I gave that to Garcia, but afterwards, um, he made the adjustments that he needed to make, mainly pumping that jab out there. And once he started pumping that jab out there, he can get off that one-two. He got a main one-two, you know. Um, he's a very good boxer, puncher. And then also he's a very good, uh, he's a very solid 
top 10 guy in that division, maybe top five guy in that division. And he's always going to be a tough out for anybody. Like I say, based on what I've seen from Harris, Harrison, it's the latter part of fights. All, every time that I see him, he's competitive with everybody. Like it's nobody that's going to just wipe him out because he's, he's very skilled. It's just for him is it to make it all through all 12 without having any lapses. And sometimes when you have those lapses, you get caught late and, that's how he ends up losing his fight. But in a 10-round fight against somebody like a Sergio Garcia, Sergio Garcia just didn't have the skills to be able to compete with Tony Harrison for 10 rounds. Now, if it went 12, I think that he would have had more success down the stretch. And that's when things could have got a little bit um, more competitive, you know. But at the same time, he was just trying to outgrit Tony Harrison. And Tony Harrison is somebody I'm sure being in the Detroit area that you have a lot of good sparring um, and you prepare for somebody who's just going to try to come in there and rough you up or, you know, just trying to outwork you. You know what I mean? He's just too skilled for that for 10 rounds, you know, like I say, maybe 12 rounds, he could have, you know, more success, but all in all, man, good solid win. I look forward to seeing what Tony Harrison um, does from here. I'm, and I'm sure if I was Sundora, I wouldn't take a Tony Harrison fight now until I had a belt. Like I had to fight Tony Harrison because he just put himself in position to fight for a championship. Now, if those guys vacate and that's what I have to go through to get that belt, then I would do that. But I wouldn't take a fight in between against no Daniel Tony Harrison because you would want to have to defend something in order to fight somebody that is that talented and that good, you know. But shout out to him, you know, good win. Anybody uh, want to touch on any of the other fights that we didn't discuss, like briefly, just want to, you know, say anything? I know I, I checked that Mosley fight. I was surprised. But anything else you guys got before we wrap things up? I'll briefly shout out uh, him as well. You know what I mean? He did a good job working behind a jab. And, yeah, he, he just looked good. You know, he looked better than he's, what, 18 and four now. I felt like if that – and obviously he had to come into who he is, but – you know, he looked better than his record last night, you know, and it definitely gave him stuff to build off of, built his confidence up. It was a very quality win, probably the best win in his career. So shout out to him. Shout out to Michaela Mayer also. She she looked pretty good against her fight. And so she also just signed a, a pretty big deal with top rank, which is funny after Bob Aram said what he said, you know, a few months ago. But, but shout out to her as well. She has a bright feature ahead of her. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Michaela Mayer. I thought I thought that was a very entertaining fight, also entertaining card uh, card uh, from top rank. But I thought that fight in particular, I was, you know, it's always got an iffy. I think this is the first time we ever seen a, a top rank bout with you know female fighters uh, headlining, and I, I didn't know how they were going to do it. Like as far as the commentator, you never know how these things are going to go. I, I thought that the performance was very very impressive. You know, uh, it was interesting the production of of, of that. Uh, whole car because I was switching back and forth between that one and the Showtime car and the volume was a little louder on ESPN uh, so, so you could definitely hear the action and be more involved in the action I thought that the fight between Makai um, Mayer and uh, Jennifer Hahn was very very uh, exciting to watch it was a brutal fight too uh, I thought Hahn was getting bloodied up but she fought, she was tough she fought on through so shout out to her also it was good to see uh, these two ladies get the get the spotlight they they been fighting for and, and them get on that stage and actually you know duke it out and prove it that we're we can be entertaining also 
Yeah, Mayor Mahan, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't see it. Is she undefeated? Yeah, she's undefeated. She's, I think, I believe she's, uh, after this fight, I think they're looking at it. They could be looking at a fight between her and uh, Katie Taylor. I could be wrong, but I think that could be an interesting fight too. Mm, so she's trying to get a Floyd Mayweather on with the undefeated record. What you, what you, if, if right now, what would her chances be against Katie Taylor? What'd you say? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I don't know if I want to call it right now. I see uh, more from her. And plus, you know, Katie Taylor is Katie Taylor, but also she's getting up there in age too, as far as performances. And she's been, she's been around a minute. So that you got to take that in account also. But I, I do think there'll be an interesting fight. Um, um, if they set that date, I definitely will, you know, do my due diligence and in, in, in studying both of their styles and just, just to see how they match up. But I, I think it'll be a, a very interesting fight. Though. Yeah. Like, I'm a bad, uh, Danny. I was going to say, yeah, I, I would also be, I would have to see a, how Taylor looks against Serrano and B at how she looks after Serrano too. Cause we don't know what their results going to be. We don't know what kind of damage she's going to take. And when you start to get up there in age, you know, like, these fights make a difference, especially against somebody like Serrano. So, oh yeah, definitely. You know, it could be some uh, years off her career after fighting somebody with such a, a brutal style. You know, the last person that Serrano fought kind of looked like how Lubin looked yesterday. You know, but I don't think Taylor's going to take that type of punishment. We just never know because they have two highly skilled fighters. I was thinking more so not. I'm just saying, like now, if they were fighting each other, who would you force? But it's you know, if you haven't had an opportunity to do the research, then that's understood. You know, right now you can't call it, you know, Alexander Graham Bell type. You know what I mean? I will say this though: if 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 Serrano wins that fight with Katie Taylor and Serrano and and Mayer match up, I think that would be even Katie Taylor versus uh, Mayer is more interesting. But Serrano versus uh, mayor probably is gonna be a lot more exciting okay yeah i'm gonna have to um take a look i saw it yesterday as far as the pay-per-view available um but i was so engulfed in taking a look at those other fight cards and it takes a lot out of you too you triple g started so early and then you know you come back to the tv and you got some of those fights was going on at the same time. and even yesterday i was gonna try to make some videos i just got flustered you know what i'm saying i'm trying to make this video and recap this and then the other fight gets interesting i'm like man just forget all this type of stuff i'm just gonna go ahead and take a few notes and just and you know uh, and just enjoy it and speaking of that next week we got an even bigger event you know with with some excellent fights um that's taking place i didn't get you fellas predictions on the undercar of the spence i think it's one of the fights that you didn't make a prediction on and that's the uh, what's his name? Um, the Cruz one. Was it the? Because uh, I don't want to say his name incorrectly. Not Stan Jonas. Oh. Yeah, Stan, yeah, the Stan Jonas fight. Him and Butaya. Who do you guys have in that one? Now I have to research that a little more before I choose that one. Mm, okay. Well, Dan, you you got anything on that, or are you you saying in the same situation? Kind of the same. I don't know. I know Butaya based on his last fight. I don't know much about Stanionis, so I, it's hard to call right now. Yeah, I mean, you can check mine out. I, I, I made a prediction. I put the video up, but just really quickly because I don't want this to go on longer than it has to be. I got 
Stan Jonas, and I got him maybe ninth, tenth round stoppage. And the briefly as to why is when I studied the guys, I see Butte of a lot of times he jumps in. He was doing that um, in his last fight in that big win that he had. But I think that the opponent that he was facing just didn't have the power to take advantage of those opportunities that he will give you. And an upper echelon guy, and this is going to, we're going to figure out if Stan, Stan Young, those guys, and I think that he is based on his amateur pedigree and what I've seen from him so far, that he'll be able to advantage. And he's a powerful young man. And I think that he'll wear out um, Butayev, um, even though these both of these guys like Ram facing facing Ram, they're just going to be coming at each other. But I just think that he's just a little bit more skilled than uh, Butayev, and I, I predict that he'll win that fight. Uh, fellas, you got anything before we wrap up? No, sir. No, sir. If not, we're going to go ahead and end things. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the episode, um, and, and we look forward to you know many more of these. And next week, you can catch us. We're going to talk about that Errol Spence versus Ugas fight. You know, I was checking out the um, the special order, the series that they have. And the last thing I'm going to say before we wrap things up is my main man, Ugas. You got a nice one, bro. You got a nice one. <laughs> we out. Peace. Peace.